I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Welcome to the Storytelling Lab, where we break down how to get to the heart of your story and the hearts of your audience to leave the greatest impact possible. And now here's your host, a filmmaker and competitive storyteller, Rain Bennett. What's up, my beautiful people? Welcome to another episode of the Storytelling Lab, where we break down the art and science of storytelling. This podcast is brought to you by Magnanimous Rentals. Cameras, lenses, lights, and much more at the lowest rental rates online. Magnanimous Rentals, every order submitted at magrents.com. That's M-A-G-R-E-N-T-S.com. Every order submitted receives a discount. Inexpensive production essentials ship right to your door. Magrents.com. Go Magnanimous. Listen, I've been working with Magnanimous Rentals for a few years, and I love it. I can't tell you how awesome it is to have a production trip, which I travel at least once a month or so, and I pack my bags and my luggage with my clothes, I hop on my plane, I reach my destination, I get to my hotel or my Airbnb, and boom, my equipment is there waiting for me nicely packaged up. My cameras, my lenses, tripods, lights, I didn't have to travel with any expensive or heavy equipment, and it just made everything a breeze. I do my shoot. I knock it out of the park, I pack the equipment back into the packaging it came in, and I stop by UPS or FedEx on the way back to the airport, and boom, it's back on its way to Magnanimous Rentals. Super easy, super affordable, and listen, if you have a production in-house for your business and you can't justify purchasing camera equipment, this is a perfect affordable alternative for you guys. Rent the equipment that you need and then send it back. Magnanimous Rentals, go check them out at magrents.com. And as always, this podcast is brought to you by Six Second Stories, where we help you maximize your impact through short-form storytelling. The reason I help nonprofits is because I see a parallel in nonprofit communicators and all they're trying to juggle while being overwhelmed in terms of their communication efforts and all the platforms that they can use. 
I saw parallels between that and my life as an independent, which means low budget, documentary filmmaker where I'm trying to make something powerful and tell a great story with limited resources and time and money and energy and crew and all of that. So I thought these are my people. We have the same struggles. I think I can help them. Well, today my guest is Maria Bryan of Maria Bryan Creative, and she is one of these nonprofit communicators who then became someone who helps nonprofit communicators because she saw the struggle that they were all dealing with from a firsthand inside perspective. So I was really excited to talk to Maria because I was like, okay, she is my people. She will, she gets this. This is literally her mission and her calling, and her business, and what she's doing. Well, she spent many years working in big and small organizations, I believe, learning how to use stories to help their overall communication strategies, the nonprofits that she was working for. And she recently had a baby, and so did I, and so we talked about that, and we, we, we kind of bonded on that for a moment. They are, are both of our daughters are about the same age, and that changed things for her, as it did me, as it did mo- all parents, I suppose. But it changed things for her in terms of, you know, I love having an, a full-time job with the security of a paycheck that comes with, but I really love my daughter and not sure I want to send her to daycare every day. And I really love what I do for a living. (laughs) What's a way that I can combine all these things that I love into one little life? And she made the decision then to spend more time with her kid, but also take the leap, which is a scary one. And we talked about that momentarily. Take the leap to create her own business to do what she does well. And boom, as soon as she did, it took off. People coming out, come out of the woodwork saying, I need your help. I need your help. And she's probably like, she didn't admit this, but I've been here before when you take the leap and it's scary and then you do it. And then all of a sudden you're like, gosh, why did I wait so long to do that? So maybe I'm guessing she went through a moment like that. And now she works with people on the biggest thing. We, we get down to the nitty gritty about the tips and techniques to use and the mistakes and missteps to avoid But she works with people mainly on people, I mean organizations, on their strategy, their their marketing and branding and social media strategy, the bigger picture. Where are you going? What are your goals? How are you going to get there? And so she works firsthand with nonprofits. And because of that, now she's made her own reach grow exponentially because she's not just working with one nonprofit that she's working in-house for. Now she's touching and has her hands on all these different organizations trying to make the world a better place. And it's clear from talking to her and even just seeing her social media activity that this woman cares about making the world a better place. And that's why I was excited to talk to her on top of the fact that she does so by telling stories and helping people learn how to share those stories. So, I'm going to shut up because Maria Bryan has all the gems in this episode, and here she is. Check it out. So I'm really excited to talk to you because I noticed something kind of in your story that you tell that is like precisely why... I found myself wanting to work with nonprofits and nonprofit communicators. You talk about being overwhelmed and being like a one person show. And like legitimately my story, my spiel is 
I've been a, a an indie documentary filmmaker, which just means low budget for a long, long time, and often working with nonprofits doing PSAs or documentary series and things like that. And that parallel I saw so clearly because I'm, you know, with one camera, one little microphone, and having to pull, you know, powerful content out of something where or a situation where I'm overwhelmed, under resourced, under you know, no, lack of money, lack of time, mm-hmm. lack of support or crew, and then when I would see a nonprofit marketer or or you know. I there's a foundation I work with that there's legitimately one one woman running everything. And when you're trying to keep up with new social media platforms, new gadgets and gadgets and new new formats, it's like it's completely overwhelming and so I was I was like I've been doing this for for 10 to 15 years being overwhelmed and and making something good out of it. I think there's a gap that I can fill here and that, you know, I can help people. And so when I saw that I was like, "Oh my gosh, she she is my people. Like <laughs> you get it, you understand. Yeah. And so That's, I absolutely. I just wanted to talk about that first of all. Like walk me through, you know, how you got started because you were you were the nonprofit communicator, and now you're helping your people, right? Okay. So how'd you fall into the nonprofit space to begin with? So I my background is in journalism. Mm-hmm. And I actually served in the Peace Corps for a couple of years, oh, trying that. to chase a good story. How how was that? Can you tell me a little bit about that? Sure, sure. I worked in Ghana and West Africa. Um, what they do in Peace Corps, I don't know if they still do it, but when I was applying to the Peace Corps, if you have a background in business, you do business, agriculture, agriculture, and then all the like theater, English kids get thrown into health. So <laughs> all the you know misfits were, were thrown into <laughs> So I was in health, and that's where I really fell in love with public health. So I worked um, in water and sanitation, specifically with guinea worm, which Mm. is a parasite that now is eradicated almost everywhere, but it's since been eradicated in Ghana. And it's really where I fell in love, again, both with public health and with storytelling. Mm -hmm. Because in my community, you know, people were illiterate. Um, They learned so differently than how you know, we can teach public health here. So we had to get really, really creative with theater and the arts um, to teach people how, you know, about wellness and how to take care, you know, how to live their best lives and their healthiest lives. And and was that because, do you think that's because, like, for a a lay person, a regular person, it's kind of hard, like, it's kind of hard to explain to them these things, these terms that they may not understand or whatever is that is that why you had to use those different methods absolutely i mean when you grow up in the states you you teach people you know our students with pen and paper you kind of go back to like and i don't want to make it seem as though the people in my village were not smart because they were Mm. brilliant they just didn't know how to necessarily read and write so when you think of how you teach you know someone in kindergarten how you know things are doing so through song and and dance and things like that those are the kind of methods where we we used you know we would throw huge concerts bringing in like the top musicians in the country um just to sing songs about how to prevent getting guinea worm we would do plays to show how hiv was transmitted we'd play games and this is like with adults um, trying to explain literally how hiv 
you know, affects your immune system and how that can be transmitted. So it's just um, using storytelling to reach people where they are and how they digest information. Uh, when I came back, and I'll go back to Peace Corps for a second, but I ended up working a lot with immigrant communities. And it's the same thing. I mean, you have to teach people where they're at and how they understand things um, in a language appropriate and culturally appropriate way. But I love that uh, teach people where they're at. I think so often I also work a lot in the in the health and medical industries, and it's like that's like the first thing I have to do with any any doctor is like, hey, <laughs> we got to reduce the jargon. You got to speak to you know speak to them like a person. Yeah. Uh, I just had that conversation with a client a client this morning, um, and I, I love that line. I think it applies to it applies to any kind of communication, right? Like speak oh, to absolutely. them speak to them where where they're at you know you got to yeah. go to them it's, it's so often whether it's our companies or organizations or ourselves as individuals we only see things through our own lens yeah it's problematic yeah. So. whether it's climate change or violence or affordable housing whatever it is like if you're going to be in communications or even marketing you have to be able to speak to people in their language and that's where I, my beginnings are, you know, working in this community, um, and, and trying to, trying to prevent something that was really harmful, um, from happening, which was the spread of guinea worm in a way that was uh, out of the box and what, you know, you might normally do the kinds of yeah. public programs you might normally do. Were you able to track like the, um, effectiveness of that? Like, did you see an increase in knowledge, awareness or a decrease in the spread? So actually, when when I um, was in training, there was a huge outbreak. There was an epidemic of guinea worm. And by the time we left, just over the course of two years, it was eradicated in oh. Ghana. So that's what happens. You have this outbreak of something, and, and and you throw all your resources at it. And it was successful. And it wasn't just the public um, education and health education. It was a lot of surveillance, a lot of hard work from a lot of Ghanaians, um, I worked very closely with the Carter Center, and we really worked hard to educate people and, and to um, do some other measures to to prevent this from happening. And wow. yeah, talk about ROI. I mean, yeah, we that. yeah. <laughs> that's incredible. And so when you come back after the Peace Corps to the States, where do you go from there? So I come back and have this real struggle. I was applying to J school in the Peace Corps, my, that's, was my dream since I was little to be a journalist. And I really struggled with having such a heart for public health and wanting to be a little bit more in the field than to tell the stories and not really knowing where I landed and ended up working at a community health center in Chinatown in New York city and realized that I could reconcile, um, my passion for public health and public service with, my love for storytelling and that's where I am. That's where I am in communications right now is I, I do marketing and communications within the nonprofit realm, whether that's, um, when I was in house, um, the nuts and bolts of actually creating health education materials, again, that were health literate, culturally right. literate and language literate for mm. uh, Asian American community. And then a lot of marketing to bring in patients and other clients that needed our support and all the things that come under communications that make a communications professional overwhelmed no <laughs> um, with social media and website and, and email and all those things. And I, I'm so um, 
just grateful for where I landed because I'm doing something that I, I feel good about and that I, I think I'm good at um, and within a sphere that I think is, is really important. So that's where I, that's how I landed in nonprofit. And how long were you in-house? For about seven years. In one, in one organization or multiple? I was at a health center for five years okay. and then I was at another, a very large public health organization for a couple of years. And then uh, what brought me to where I am today Quite honestly, is I um, I had a my daughter who I I fell in love with and had a hard time um, sending to daycare to be at work. So that brought me to another roads on how can I continue doing what I'm doing and um, be home with my daughter, and decided to do my own nonprofit communications um, business. So that's where I am today, Maria Bryan Creative, and so. Um, again, kind of my, my motto tagline, what is it is that while I care about the people that my clients serve, it's the nonprofit communications that I'm there to support. Those mm-hmm. are my people because I was yeah. there for so long. Right. It is. And I could just go on and on <laughs> about how impossible it feels to manage communications as a one person show, uh, which, which I did in both places. Yeah that I worked. Um, and so it's been a real joy to support nonprofits who are just doing so many incredible things, but they just can't do it all in communications. So that's, it's just so important to, to, to have support in yeah. whatever that is. Um, so how, that's how, tell me about that process, taking that leap to starting your own thing. Was that scary for you? Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> Not in a million years, a million years, if you told me what I'd be doing now, um, I loved my job. Yeah. I I loved what I was doing. I felt um, both organizations were doing such incredible things. And of course, there is the safety of having a really good job. Absolutely. (laughs) Um, It was very scary. And it's something that I kind of like, made up my mind and did it the next day kind of thing. Awesome. Like, yeah. I'm going to do it. Um, again, I'm just, I just feel so grateful because almost immediately I was finding people that were like, help, like right. I need help. Um, and not, you know, we talk about, you know, you've worked with and I've been the one man show, but there are people who are the CEOs of their company and they have no staff. Yep. So they're not only running their entire nonprofit, but they're, also doing communications and human resources and, and all that. And it's just like, it's, it's crazy, insane. And I know my, my, um, actually before I worked at a health center, I worked at a, at an early childhood organization for just a couple of years. And I was actually in human resources mm. and managing all of their communications. I mean, that's just how it is. In, it's in wild. And it's not just super small local organizations either. I know like bigger organizations that it's still one person managing virtually everything which to me is crazy because people in marketing communications they are the voice in mm-hmm. the face of mm-hmm. your organization and often of of the president and ceo they're the they're the first stop when people are coming whether they're potential donors or potential mm-hmm. clients or political officials or you know all these people that can support you they're seeing what that person can bring to the table yeah. 
And if they're not getting the support they need, it's really going to hurt the organization. And I just think it's a shame that it's still in 2019, a struggle for communications departments mm-hmm. to funding they need and to be staffed the way that they need to be to, you know, to function well. You need lots of skills to do communications. I mean, one person cannot be a graphic designer, an amazing writer, have the understanding of analytics, Mm -hmm. do website and social media to be able to do everything from strategy to keep up with tweeting several times a day. It's it's literally impossible, really. And if that person is like your COO or something like that, you know, involved in the the other things that make that foundation organization run a lot of times the the skill the skills that you need for one of those <laughs> positions are not the same for communications and so you have somebody I love your point about this is the face of your organization if you're not someone who has that skill set yeah and but yet you're still having to do that i mean you're doing the organization a disservice because you got to have somebody that that knows how to connect with people that knows how to do all those things yeah. and just has that and just has the personality for it. I mean, there's, really? you know, you're not just, you can learn certain things like that, but there's a lot that's innate. I mean, are you a person that's, you, you know, you got to, I don't know. It's, it's tough when, when you're having to juggle such vastly different responsibilities, I think. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 So I think, you know, what I would like to kind of bring to the table in the nonprofit world yeah. is reality is tomorrow we're not going to convince nonprofits to have fully staffed communications departments. So what are the hacks? You know, I just want to give hacks to people so they can do their best, do what they can, um, take advantage of low hanging fruit, other people in their organization, all kinds of tools and resources out there. I hope that, um, that's something that, that nonprofits can kind of take from Maria Bryan creative. And my experience is that, until that day, and I hope that they come for every organization, every department, um, here are just a few tips and tricks to, to help you do your job and yeah. to totally burnt out and to grow and thrive and, and be excited about what you do. Uh, let me ask you this for, first. What are some of the bigger mistakes and missteps that you see companies and organizations making? You know, in terms of, in yeah. terms of um, communication strategy, right? Yeah. Yeah. Are there? Because I'm sure there's some like a handful that you, you just yeah. like. It's just, yeah. What are some of the common missteps? Well, I was just gonna say not having a strategy. <laughs> Run with that because yeah, <laughs> definitely. Day to day, you have to get that newsletter out. You have to get out social media, and so it's like, what do I focus on a week on creating a strategy or do I get all this stuff out? And the answer is spend a week on strategy mm-hmm. and, and let the day to day things rest just for a week. It's going to pay off so much when you have benchmarks and goals, when it's not your benchmarks and goals, it's that of, you know, your executive staff. And it's something that aligns with the executive staff. That's another thing you have communications that are so siloed and kind of coming mm. up with their goals and they're not working with the fundraising team if it that happens to be separate or programming team it's like listen in on what are the goals of your entire organization again have benchmarks so that you can show your growth and and spend some time putting a real plan together and so that's the number one I think mistake is not taking the time to put together 
a strategy. And right. number two is really within this, um, taking that strategy strategy to the top and make sure that everyone is on board with this strategy. Mm. The, and it makes sense for the nonprofit, not just for you and, and, and what you think. And yeah, you might have to fight a little bit, advocate for what you think is best, but you need buy-in. Totally. Um, and if I could just add on to that, like it's much better. What did you say? You may have to fight a little bit. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, but it's better to have that discussion or that fight or whatever or work through that then in the beginning than to just run, you know, take the ball and run down the road with it and then now you have issues you have to work through later and you have to yeah. unwind or redo stuff. Oh, so I sure. I just want to like plus one to that yeah. majorly because it's everyone needs to be everyone needs to at least understand it, you know, and be on board with it ideally, but I mean some people don't understand why you may make a certain choice. So I, I a hundred percent agree with that. Run it up the chain, make sure everybody gets the purpose where we're going, why, et cetera. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. And if anything, a lot of times people in communications are sometimes lower level and it's, it's showing people that you're, you, you got it, you know, mm-hmm. you got the grit, you understand it. And this is not just about Facebook and Twitter. This is about really supporting your organization to mm-hmm. reach your larger goals. I would say number three is taking on more than you can do. <laughs> so, you know, don't be on five social media platforms. Right. If you really, if just Twitter and Instagram make the most sense or Facebook and, and Twitter make the most sense or maybe even just a Facebook group, you know, leave a message on some of the other platforms directing them to that platform. Mm. It's just for a little bit. I wouldn't close down those accounts because you want to keep your name, uh, your, you know, your handle. Um, but if you can't do it all, then send out your newsletter quarterly instead of monthly. Yeah. You know, do one blog post a month instead of three blog posts a month. Of course, you want to do as much as possible, but really, and I, this goes back to strategy, like understand your resources, understand your capacity, and just be honest with whoever you report to. Like, this is what we're doing. I'm sorry, we're just doing Facebook. <laughs> yeah. The next- and that's what I can do and that's what I can do well right now. What else do you think would contribute to the uh, to that decision making process of what platforms to be on? Yeah. When I'm sitting there and I'm like, all right, there's Snapchat, there's LinkedIn, yeah. there's you know what should they work through to make that decision? The first thing they should work through are what the current trends are. Mm-hmm. So obviously today it's social there's such a huge distrust around social media. I'm not going to knock on any social media platform on your podcast, but there are going to be certain platforms that will have a better organic reach than other because Mm. of algorithms and just what's going on culturally with social media. So if you have a budget, then that's one thing. Then I would say, Hey, use it, you know, use it on, on Facebook and Twitter. Your budget will, will do pretty good, but organically, um, there's obviously going to be platforms that are doing better organically. That's number one. Number two, where's your audience? Boom. If your goal is to bring in more clients, then go where your clients are. Hmm. So when I looked at a health center, a lot of our clients were on WeChat, which is a platform that people use to talk to their families overseas. And we were we had so much success when we kind of pivoted from Facebook to WeChat. We had so many more people coming into our workshops. We were meeting wow. people. Yeah, we weren't trying to reach people that weren't on these platforms. But if you're going to try to reach fundraisers, if your whole social media strategy is to, you know, bring in more support or communicate with your current supporters, 
to meet them where they are, you know, and if, if they're in their 50s, you know, 40s, 50s, 60s, they're likely on Facebook. If they're younger, then maybe they're, you know, on Instagram. So right. do some thinking on, on where your people are and focus, you know, focus your time and energy there or where your attended audiences are. I think LinkedIn shouldn't be a huge part, but we, I think people don't think enough about LinkedIn for fundraising or at least just for relationship building and how that can be a great platform. And it's growing too. Like from my experience, a lot, there's been a, there's been a big uh, movement to uh, LinkedIn. And now like from my perspective, cause now they, um, they have video. I'm seeing a lot more people spend time and utilize that feature as well. Yeah. Absolutely. So, um, okay. Any more, any more super common mistakes that you see? Yeah. I think if you take some time to write a strategy and really understand and honest with yourself about your resources, that's a really good start. That's a good start. That's so many, just know what direction you're heading in. Like will help so many of the decisions down the road. Right. Mm -hmm. I personally, and I mean, you may have been here before too, but, uh, with, you know, some of the films I've worked on and, and maybe the marketing strategy for that or anything really just realized in hindsight that all I was doing was spinning in circles and just, you know, not really getting anywhere. And so, you know, sometimes you got to learn things the hard way, but yeah. if, if we can help people learn things the easy way, I think that's good. Uh, um, okay. So I saw a lot of the content that, that you produce it are things like tools for, for nonprofits. And you've already yeah. kind of alluded to, hacks and tips and techniques we'll say not (laughs) not tricks but so to the point of those mistakes that are commonly made and and other things what are some of the bigger like pillar tips that you would give a company let's say you're first you're meeting a company or an organization for the first time and they're just completely lost and, and don't know where to go like what are the big chunks the big pieces that you would start them with you know you can't go too deep yet yeah 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 I would say try to take advantage of free and mm. I don't always promote free cause I just so strongly feel like nonprofit should invest, but you know, in tools and resources but yeah. if we're gonna with free, um, there are social media management tools that are affordable. A lot of these actually have nonprofit rates mm. that are free or significantly discounted. That's a good tip. So that you're you're not ad hoc um, posting to all of your platforms. So I think that's one tool that I would want pe- you know nonprofit communicators to get comfortable with. Uh, get on that, and so you can monitor and post on all the platforms at once. So that's one thing. Something like Hootsuite um, is one that I'm a little bit more familiar with mm-hmm. that that you can use. I also think, again, when I talk about using many parts of your brain, analytics might not be a strong suit, but listen, you have to figure out the analytics of social media and your website. So I would say get on Google Analytics and start looking at analytics of your social media. All social media, you have the capacity to see at least basic analytics. So if you haven't been on TweetDeck yet, go on TweetDeck or analytic. um, Twitter has their own analytics that you can see how your tweets are doing. Um, and of course, Facebook has their analytics too. So take some time to um, add that to mm-hmm. your workflow. Um, if it's once, what I would do is just once a month, even if you just have an Excel sheet so that you can kind of just track even the most basic 
um, metrics on how your social media is doing. If it's growth, of course, more important metrics are things like, you know, are people actually coming to events? Do you have an increase in fundraising? Um, there's more important metrics than growth, um, even more important than engagement. But as a start, just make sure you're getting some numbers together. And of course, storytelling, what's I think really important, I'm sure you do too, Rain, is yeah. visual. So I think get on one of these design sites for for people like me who don't have like a design bone in my body. Um, resources like Canva um, have been instrumental that they're just kind of like drag and drop mm -hmm. templates where you can create really beautiful flyers and social media images and even GIFs. Um, and they're fun. So I know some people, they just will use clip art and Microsoft Word. I mean, they just make these things. It's like you're making your nonprofit look like it's got a budget of $5. So mm. get on these these design tools. And yeah. it's really going to shape up, you know, how you're presenting yourself. What's a way to inc incorporate storytelling into those little posts? So yeah. for me, like, all right you know, making a video and, and telling a story, all right, that's easy to understand. But how would you help people understand how to utilize and use storytelling in, um, you know, you're talking about creating on Canva, Instagram stories or a tweet or anything, you know, smaller yeah. like that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, first of all, I would say just have fun with these new things out there. If you haven't been on Instagram stories or Facebook stories yet, um, go on it, try it. I mean, um, and I guess I, this should have been said much earlier, and that is to try to have fun with what you're doing in communications. Try new things. Chances are people that you're reporting to don't understand enough and are going to be like, sure, do it, try it. So try yeah. it. You know, um, Social media is the wild, wild west. So totally. just do it. Try it. Have fun. Um, so how do, how do you tell stories? I would get as micro as possible. So if you work again, in, um, let's just say, um, climate change, instead of telling really big picture, tell the story of how maybe one family or one species or one city or forest was affected. Um, same with public health. Let's say that you work in diabetes. You can throw all the stats at people that you want. It's going to really go over their heads. So tell the story of one child who was affected by diabetes and how to do that more specifically is, you know, you could just have a picture and a quote of that person. You could, you know, talking about using your resources well, um, something that you can do is write a blog post, you know, spend a couple days featuring one person, one client that's that you're serving and then that blog post can be broken apart on social media throughout the month. You could just be doing one quote or one, you know, a couple of sentences from that blog all throughout the month um, and really getting that one story out there. And then that can be repurposed for blog too. And it can be repurposed in your annual report and fundraising letters. Um, so yeah, get, get to the micro, tell the stories of people mm. um, and not, you know, so big picture of what's going on. And that's what changes the hearts of people is getting to know maybe one person that's affected by whatever your issue is, whatever your nonprofit, whatever change that they're trying to make in the world. Absolutely. You know, I was thinking about something when you said have fun, 
I I feel like we've gone through this shift now where brands, organizations, which maybe historically thought they had to be, not all of them, but especially nonprofits, you think you maybe have to be professional, right? And be very like serious and the, the, the source for this information or to support this cause. But I'm seeing like the engagement on social media, like having fun with it is is becoming more commonly used with things like GIFs or GIFs, however you want to say it, uh, emojis, just all these other communication tools that we have. And you'll see the interaction from, I mean, this isn't a nonprofit, but from like Netflix on Twitter and how they engage and communicate with and have conversations with their audience or their followers. And it is playful, you know, whether they're using memes or, or GIFs or whatever. And so I think, and let me know how you feel about this too. I think that that's, it is increasingly more important to have fun, like to actually aid your communication and engagement with people. Absolutely. You know, people go on social media to be entertained. Right. That's where I was driving that. Yeah. yeah, Thank you. Yeah. I don't want to say they're not going to learn something, but really people are going on social media to take a break from their lives. Mm. And if you're a source of fun for them, man, you're, you're ahead of the game. Cause like you said, like corporations have caught on to this. Right. What a Denny's Twitter. I mean, they're, they're so hilarious. They're so (laughs) brands that you would never think are having fun, um, are just, they're having so much fun and you should be too. Yeah. And I don't think, I don't think having fun in your social media and being the the reliable, credible source, or I don't think they're mutually exclusive. Like, yeah. I think, and I, I've I've dealt with a lot of clients at times where they feel like it might be, and I don't think that's I think that's no longer the case. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And again, that's where some educating yeah. will happen, and that's where you kind of show a few case studies of like, you know, organizations like recently Coca Cola wiped out their social media and just started over. Wow. With really fun, inspiring content because they're like, you know, this is what people want to see. So yeah. if, if they're brave enough <laughs> to shift that in such a huge way, and I don't think Coca-Cola did it across the globe. It might have just been in one country, but mm-hmm. I do know that that was um, pretty big news recently that they've completely changed their their strategy to be something light and fun and not so such targeted advertising. Um so, yeah, I mean, that's another thing. If you're, if you're working in communications, watch what the big boys are doing, what other companies are doing that have the funds. And if you can emulate that with your resources, yeah. then, then do that. And to your point, like just having a sense of humor and having fun is just, this is what brands are doing on social media right now. Yeah. So, and it, yeah. does, it doesn't mean be silly, you know, or be ridiculous, but just... There's a personality there, I think. Yeah. It's, you know, this is a, it's social media. Like, it is for social interaction. You know, it's not just for spam and just, you know, touting your, you know, your accomplishments. It's interact with people. And just like yeah. you can be a professional in person, yeah. like we're, like we're talking, you know, we're having a professional conversation, but we're talking about our kids and we're smiling and laughing, talking about the silliness and awesomeness that comes along with parenthood. Like that's what a normal conversation is like, right? We can laugh, we can throw a joke in there and still be talking about something serious. And I think social media engagement should maybe reflect that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. What is a typical client relationship like with you? So if I were an organization and I was like, all right, 
Maria, I'm, I don't know what we're doing. We're spinning in circles, you know, yeah. help us. We need you. How, how would you find yourself doing that best? Like what kind of things, what kind of services do you provide them? Like, yeah. are you in there like super deep hands on? Are you more just kind of consultant strategy wise? Yeah. Good question. Um, a few things. So the first thing I do is just talk through really where their pain points are. Like, where are they struggling? What's, what's the challenge? Is it, and a lot of times it does happen to be like resources. They just have one person doing everything or they don't even have a communications marketing department at all. And just half the staff have, you know, are managing social media all at once. Right. But one, I want to see what their, where their challenges are. And then I, I want to know what their, their dreams are. If mm. they a $5 million communications budget, what would their communications look like? Um, and of course it seems like the middle is really far, but it's just important for me to understand like what social media accounts or nonprofits do they admire? Do they look up to mm. what they, what they would strive to be if they had the resources and money. So we have this conversation to understand where they're at and, from there, I can provide a few things. I think one of the most important things that I can provide and that I love to provide is a strategy. Mm -hmm. One, just to take it off their hands. And two, is just coming in from an outside perspective mm. on um, how they can use where they're at um, and just putting a plan in place that makes sense mm -hmm. where they are and their resources. Yeah. So, you know, this can be a six month strategy or a year strategy and it's giving them inspiration, other, you know, nonprofits to look up to that they can emulate these kinds of ideas and stories and tactics, but just a real solid map on, um, you know, you'll be posting this frequency. This is the kinds of things that you'll be posting. Um, I would recommend getting off this platform. I would recommend starting a group instead of a face, you know, continuing on your Facebook page. And a lot of times what I'm recommending is for their CEO to get on social media and putting a thought leadership plan together. So that's, you know, one of my most popular packages are, are these strategy packages mm -hmm. and just helping them put together a plan that makes sense for them. And then really taking the time to talk through after the plan is, is made, just really spending a lot of time talking them through how to implement this. Mm -hmm. plan. These plans often include having benchmarks. I do a really in-depth audit of their social media, what's working, what's not working, everything from what kinds of posts are working and not working and yeah. where audiences most engaged or not engaged. And then that the audit really sets benchmarks. Here's where you're at and, and here's where you um, want to grow. So those are my strategy packages. But of course you sometimes you'll put this package and even though I will intentionally make these packages in a way where they can do it with, with the resources that they have and with the staff capacity that they have. <laughs> even with that they are overwhelmed. So yeah. fill in the gaps a little bit more. I can provide um, I don't do social media management, but I will provide content. So I can do a whole, you know, six months of content planning for your channels. So we talk about having these micro stories. Those take time. Yeah. So I will, I will take that off your plate. I will find those stories and create those stories, whether that's in blog content or social media content, and I'll plot out how you can use this content over the course of what they need, whether that be 
a month or a few months or half a year. Um, it would be hard to plan a whole year and ahead, but like on a retainer, I'd be happy to, you know, yeah. Plan. But just, that's just been helpful for, for a lot of my clients to, to first have a strategy mm-hmm. and then have just kind of like the starter content. And from mm-hmm. there, they're like, Oh, this I is get it now. Working. I get it. This yeah. is what it's like. It's, it's working. Then after a few months they can fly and they can, they got can do it. it. Got it. Now, um, there's, Will you clarify um, when you said, but you don't do social media management just for people listening, like what you mean by that? Yeah. So I don't actually, um, at times I have on a very short term basis, but there's a lot of companies that will actually take over your social media and And they'll do all of the postings. And I'm glad that you asked this because social media is not just about content. It's about engagement. It's about you know, seeing what's doing well, adjusting, it's understanding what time of days are well, what, what days are well. And again, it's, it's responding, responding to messages, responding to comments, you know, all kinds of things. So, um, that is something that I, I just don't offer because I'm, I don't have, yeah. you know, and there are plenty of people, plenty of companies and, and people that do, yes. but just and wanted I, to clarify, cause I think some people aren't exactly sure, you know, especially if they're getting started with all this, like what is yeah. social, what is content creation? Yeah. What is social media management? So I just wanted to kind of break that down for them. And they're almost two completely different skills. And I'll tell you, these really big organizations, you'll have a full team doing just content and then a full team just doing engagement right. and actual posting. Mm-hmm. They're they're different. They're separate. Yeah. So what I do is I come in with, with the content and I'm creating content plans and the actual content. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the, the staff or maybe if they want to hire out, will do the actual nitty gritty posting and mm-hmm. engagement with that content there is one third thing that I do that I think is really important which some people might find boring and it's my absolute favorite thing to do in that policies and procedures I'm such a geek for policies and procedures tell me more so you have a nonprofit that has you know a slew of program teams and each one makes their own flyers <laughs> And they have their own. T- it's like some organizations even feels like there are five different yeah. organizations. Yeah. Um, the workflow is different for every single team, you know. And so, one thing that I've done in house for or for when I was in organizations, and now I offer this to other nonprofits, is getting everyone in your organization on the same page with branding mm-hmm. and communications, and that can be an actual brand guide that goes out to everyone in your company. This is our mission. This is our tagline. These are our colors, our fonts. You know, every nonprofit should have a brand guide, Mm -hmm. but also policies and procedures on if you have a event, an event and you need to promote it, this is the workflow. This Mm -hmm. is how flyers are made. Like (laughs) no more every, you know, you know what I'm saying? Every program. The person that's just like doing their, and then, you know, nothing is consistent. Totally. Um, so I think that's, you know, I could have brought this up when we talk about mistakes that nonprofits make. It's not having these communications policies right. procedures and guides in place. So everyone's on the same page from the CEO, everyone who's picking up the phones to all of the program staff, mm-hmm. fundraising team, no one should be making their own stuff, you right. know? should be some kind of a guide or workflow so um and centralization of materials it should be high quality mm-hmm. content that reflects your services you know people spend so much money and time and energy on their services which they should but 
their content that they're creating should reflect that. It should reflect the quality of what they're they're putting out and their services. Totally. So I will come in and help you get these in place. That's and even terrible. if that means coming in and training your staff, I love this. I have, I have my master's degree in public administration. So I, I studied this. I've done it at very large nonprofits. Um, and the payoff is huge. So, yeah. Time, but the, it, it really is going to help your communications and marketing and fundraising when there's some even simple, you know, guides and, and policies yeah, and consistency. And and this yeah. is the same concept of the strategy conversation that we had of having everyone on the same page, having a reason, you know, and a direction. So it, it seems like almost many of our communication efforts would benefit from having these kind of like slow it down a little bit and let's have everyone understand yeah. what we're doing and, and where we're going. Yeah. And it makes things easier, hopefully down the line. Yeah. And again, you have one person managing communications. They're, they're strategizing, they're creating content. Like who has the time to create policies and procedures? You know, it's, it's so difficult. And I know that when I was doing this for my, one of the last organizations I worked for in house, it's like a lot of things kind of go on hold when you focus on policy procedures. And that's another thing that I hope to give to nonprofits, Mm -hmm. you know, let me take this off your plate. Let, you know, you keep doing what you're good at, keep doing the day to day and I can come in and and kind of clean up the, the, the workflow for you. So what's, what's your goal? What do you focus on now or next for you in terms of, taking your business deeper, working with nonprofits, like what's, what's, what's next on the horizon for you? That's a good question. What's on the horizon? Long, long term, I would well, love to be doing like more education, mm-hmm. just teaching nonprofit communicators um, to do a lot of what we're talking about, just to support them and equip them. When I was, you know, a communications assistant and a communications manager, that's how I grew into what I do today was mm-hmm. taking advantage. I did every webinar I can get my hands on, mm-hmm. everything I could go to. And I had a very, very supportive organization that allowed me to learn and grow. That's and awesome. so I learned more from those kind of things than I did from uh, specifically for communications and marketing and nonprofit. I learned more from those kind of kind of one off trainings and webinars. So I would love to provide that. Mm. But right now in the short term, I'm doing those things that I talked about and I love it. I love my clients. I I'm working in so many different fields of nonprofit that I haven't been exposed to before. And I'm doing things for them that, you know, is such a relief to them. And that's what I want them to feel. I want them to, to be able to just take a deep breath and, and take a little break from what they're doing and have someone, you know, come on and support them on the short term. I'll finish with this question. What's the driving force behind all of this? Like I, I see your desire to create change in the world and make the world a better place. Where does that come from? What, what is inside your heart that is pushing you to, for this mission? You know? Yeah. yeah. I feel so strongly that stories are meaningful that they, they change lives. I feel that people can receive a story, hear it or see it, and they will dedicate their lives mm. to a cause because of one person, one story. They become a lifelong donor, a lifetime volunteer. They start their own 
nonprofit. Um, they decide that they want to foster or adopt. Mm. They completely change their outlook, their worldview. I just feel that's just so important. That's so important that we tell the stories of vulnerable people um, in order to engage people to support one another. So that's why I do what I do. I think that um, through telling stories that we can change lives. And I know that nonprofits are doing really, really amazing work. And so my personal mission is to help them tell those stories. Hmm. Well, Maria, I appreciate you and your mission and trying to make the world a better place. And I appreciate you coming to talk to me today. Thank Keep you. fighting the good fight. Yes. Will do. All right. Thanks so much. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 